This is the Signal Life Podcast. I buried my heart in a hole in the ground. A show about snowboarding, small business, art, music, culture, and anything else we want to talk about. This is the Foles with What Went Down, an album that's coming out at the end of next month. I love this band. Today I have David Uehara, a good friend of mine, born in Japan, living in Los Angeles, works for our distributor over in Japan called Straight Six. He's been working with in the industry for over 20 years, has worked with brands like Volcom, Dragon, Signal, and there's a lot that can be learned from the Japanese market. Let's get into it. Well, let me start, Mr. Uehara. Okay. I'm here with David Uehara. He lives in Los Angeles. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. And yeah, David, how are you? Good, good. I'm doing good. Nice. Um, So for those who don't know, you have been working in the snowboard industry for a very long time. Um, You guys have a, you're sort of the liaison for Signals Distributor over in Japan. You've worked with many brands like Volcom, uh, I think even, you know, some Mervin brands back in the day. Yeah, actually, yeah. I've been always in between uh, the industry between Japan and the U.S. And I've seen, uh, you know, back in the 90s, that when snowboard was going crazy, and snowboarding was a new sports, right? Right. And uh, everybody who are in a snowboarding those days, you know, you go snowboarding in a local mountains, everybody around you was uh, uh, skiers, right? Right. So I seen from there, and I remember um, back in the 90s, Japan snowboarding industry was going really, really crazy. Uh, you know, everybody was... Uh, uh, Selling a snowboard in Japan, Japan became like a, some kind of a, uh, I don't know, it's like a wonderland. Yeah. Sell snowboard, like unlimited amount of <laughs> snowboard, right? But that wasn't really true, you know. Um, so much snowboards sold in Japan, I just saw the snowboard industry going crash. And uh, because Japan snowboard industry crashed, and I think uh, that gave an impact in our industry here in the U.S. as well. When did you get into the snowboard industry? Um, I think uh, when I was, uh, I started actually with a skateboarding distribution, and that was back in uh, uh, eighty late 80s. Yeah. And uh, a few years later, uh, I guess early 90s, uh, snowboarding was, you know, becoming a large part of the business in Japan. And uh, just because uh, skateboarding and snowboarding was all connected in a way, uh, so I started working with the snowboarding. Um, and have you always been with Satoshi, the distributor over there? Yeah, always. Uh, I've been, he's been my partner uh, since then. That's awesome. And, uh, That's a... 20, 20, 
five years, I believe. That's amazing. That's a, that's a long relationship. That's a great relationship. That's very cool. Um, and so we, we were just talking a little bit about the scene, the snowboard scene when you got into it. And I think you explained it well, there was this massive boom. Um, Japan ate it up. Um, they still love snowboarding over there. It's very closely tied to the U S uh, culture of snowboarding. Um, explain that a bit, like what drives the Japanese market to look at the U S market so much? Well, I think it's, uh, it's not only a snowboarding, but uh, the culture itself there, it kind of applies to uh, fashion, skateboarding, and surfing. The people there, they always look for authentic uh, culture. You know, authenticity is very important for the people there. So, uh, you know, when snowboarding uh, emerged into the market, ski was there for many, many years. And uh, ski has developed its own course in Japan. And uh, surf culture was already there. Uh, I think uh, probably right after, right after the war is over, uh, people are looking at uh, the American GI surfing there. So that culture was there. And obviously skateboarding was there uh, as well. So when snowboarding came in, I think uh, uh, people who surf and skateboarding, you know, those type of people, they, you know, uh, they felt the connection, uh, the sports, you know, going the sideways. It's a bit different than a ski. And also, snowboards got this attitude of, uh, uh, I guess at the time, maybe a punk type of attitude, you know. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they... They see themselves uh, different than people who ski. Right. So, I think uh, all the combination of that, you know, people uh, who appreciate that authenticity, because you know, actually, snowboarding started in the U.S. Uh, that had a legitimate uh, the boarding culture, and people in Japan they realize, you know, that's something really unique. Uh, new sports is emerging in the U.S., and which has very close tight with uh, skating and snowboarding. So, so that was a um, basically uh, that would have the people in Japan is gonna um, get attracted with uh, sports. That was very natural. Yeah, and, and people there. And you guys, I mean, your geography is spot on for snowboard culture i mean for those who haven't traveled over there there's just so many great mountains on on, you know just outside of tokyo in the north island i mean it makes sense how something like snowboarding could just take off i mean when you get in the mountains in japan it's just beautiful they're everywhere and um but tell me even taking it a, a layer deeper like when i used to when i first started traveling in japan in the 90s I got the sense that the culture, like the snowboard culture, the skate culture, the kids that were growing up in the 90s in Japan were definitely becoming more independent. You know, it's like there was this whole new breed of Japanese kids who were not like their parents. Yeah, that's right. I remember those days, you know. Um, Japan was uh, a lot different than today. I see more business people... Uh, on the street, you know, people dress 
more like a gray and the black. Yeah. And uh, so when we had uh, all the pro snowboarders coming from the U.S. and they go to uh, event or demos in Japan, right? Right. That was a, a kind of like a culture shock to a lot of Japanese people because uh, you know they act very. How uh, I say that? Sometimes you know they just destroy things. Oh right. And, well, you know it <laughs> yeah. happened. But um, like you said, uh, yes, I see that uh, a lot of young Japanese people are looking at you know all that snowboarders coming from the U.S. and uh, they basically start connecting themselves. Uh, uh, you know, they feel like, uh, you know, we are different than our parents, you know, uh, still respect the culture and uh, they, uh, they I think... start seeing uh, all the young emerging yeah. type of kids definitely like that that's what i was gonna say like i definitely felt like the the new kids coming up were different than their parents but they always respected the japanese culture yeah i think someone like you and uh um all the pro snowboarders coming from u.s and uh the scene you guys that kind of opened them up as well. Say 20 years later, have you seen that culture st- st- like take hold? Like it feels very much, you know, kind of a normal thing now. I mean, there are there are international pros from Japan, no doubt. Like there are young kids out of Japan that are incredible, you know, making Olympic teams. Um, is has snowboarding become like very accepted? Yeah, I believe so. You know that uh, we have a. Uh, pro snowboarders are competing in the Olympics and uh, they're getting uh, you know uh, such a the, uh, they're performing so well and and also uh, beside from the Olympic um, uh, the way I think uh, there's a still very rooty snowboard culture you know very true to uh Snowboarding, you know, very same. Um, the vibe as a U.S. snowboard culture actually exists in Japan now. You know, it took about 20 years, but today's the youth. You know, I see uh, Japanese pros, uh, they are um, really truly um, being friends with American pro snowboarders. And, you know, when American snowboarders, they go to Japan, the back old days, you know, they always have uh, some distributor assisting them, right? But today's U.S. snowboarders, they just go to Japan and they just stay with a friend's house there, Japanese pro snowboarders, and a friend. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, they actually, uh, after 20 years, they're in a same authentic level, the same snowboarders. And also I've seen uh, many Japanese snowboarders, they, uh, they travel so much, you know, they speak good English, they can communicate, and with like U.S. snowboarders, yep. and they truly become a, a global uh, snowboarders, and I'm really proud of them. Yeah, me too, you know, I, I really am, like, you know, we obviously sponsor Yusaku, and we sponsored a lot of Japanese riders um, over the years, and it's it's incredible to see them, you know, of just, you know, become part of the fabric of snowboarding. 
Yep, that's true. And I think uh, Dave, you have helped that as well. Yeah. That's great. And then you know, just to bounce back, you know, to the industry and the business of snowboarding, I think one of the cool things, like you've seen a lot, you've been part of, you've been lucky enough to be part of a couple great brands. You guys were the first distributor for Volcom uh, yes. years ago. And, you know, you've done a lot of skate brands, you've done our brand, but, you know, what do you think makes a, a successful brand? Yeah, you know, um, it can apply to uh, any brand, you know, again, authenticity of the brand, and you have to be a uh, uh, strong brand in the U.S., and also the story, that brand has have a story. Yep. And any brand with a story will be successful in anywhere. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, you, you also have to have a good distributor, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. And, but, yeah. But that's, I mean, there's so many distributors when you become a, a, a bigger brand that I think the story is most is even more important because this, the distributors always take that story and relay the message. And if it's a clear and concise message and it's authentic, then it gets picked up around the world. Well, I think uh, uh, magic is uh, the passion. You know, whoever started the brand, um, there's a... Uh, the passion behind and you know that's that's going to be the most important and uh, um, as far as uh, um, if I talk about for the market in Japan um, the people who understand the passion and uh, translate that into uh, the market they become a true partner then I think that's the magic yeah and, you know I've seen a uh, someone like Volcom and, you know, work with a dragon as well, working with them for 20 years, um, seeing them from a small brand to uh, the real international global the brand, seeing that, um, that magic. But yeah. That's what I see in uh, that any brand who are successful, they have the... Uh, always somebody behind a brand with a true passion and supporting a brand. Yeah, I think I think passion and, and vision, like there's something special to those brands where, you know, the people involved and maybe not just like the guys on the top, but everybody that rallies around the brand too shares that vision. You know, it just it really is a part of who they are. And it's a part of in a lot of ways it's a part of who we all are and they just happen to tap into it. And, you know, it's, it's easy to build a brand when you're successfully tapping into something we all believe in. Back to Japan, if you're taking someone new to Japan, you know, what would you hope to share with them? Um, what do you mean by that? I'm sorry. Like if you're taking, when you take someone new to Japan, somebody, yep. you know, that's never been there, what do you want them to see? Oh, yeah. Um. Because I live here for many years, and every time I go back to Japan, it's my own country, but I realize that I don't fully see uh, true beauty of Japan. So I do. So every time I have a chance to go to Japan, I start, you know, going to outside, you know, big city like Tokyo and taking a small trip here and there, you know, just small trip outside Tokyo, 
and searching of the, uh, uh, the beauty of the nature and also the different culture and different people in different region. You'd be surprised, you know, Japan is a small country, uh, but we have 120 million people living there. And uh, if you go to a different city outside Tokyo, and uh, there's a very different uniqueness of the culture in the different region. Yeah. Each local culture is uh, very unique and different. They have their own art. And uh, so, so when I take somebody to Japan, uh, I'll definitely not only take them, tour them into big city like Tokyo and, uh, you know, some tourist place like Kyoto. Yeah, oh, I love Kyoto. I will, I will take them to uh, just outside Tokyo, even like our trip or couple hour trip. Yeah. Go to smaller cities and uh, just, you know, show them a uh, uh, different lifestyle in outside big city. I remember like going up into those mountain towns, you know, even up by Nagano way back in the day. And, you know, they have a lot of those uh, hotels that are connected to some of the hot springs and the onsens and everything else that they have going on up there. Just, it's incredible. Yeah, I think you experienced a, a kind of old Japan classic one. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that we did. Like, and I know a lot of people get to do that when they go into the mountains because those places still exist, and I think they still do it a little bit in the city. You know, if you if you want to find that experience, but I think in the old towns and the old mountain towns, they're pretty they're still easy to find. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, where's your favorite place to snowboard in Japan? Um, obviously the Hokkaido. I think that's pretty much everyone's favorite place to ride now. I mean, all over the world. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like every every winter, there's a new group of people saving up to go to Hokkaido. So cool. I think, um, you know, the last thing that I would love to touch on is just the, um, the soulfulness of snowboarding and how it's um, taken root in Japan, especially in the last, I don't know, five years or so. There's been this huge movement, I think a lot like here in the States, but almost even more so over in Japan. But there's a lot of people getting back to the the very roots of snowboarding, the more you know soulful side. Um, I know Gentem Stick has has done a lot to uh, for Japan to push them into that market as well, just by creating such awesome boards. But you know the different shapes, um, the guys wanting to venture out and just you know hike in the backcountry or or just go find some quiet little space on the hill. I. As far as that the new movement comes, uh, is going, I I haven't been to Japan snowboarding lately, so I don't know how much I can talk about it. But do you so, see? Do you do you recognize it? Do you see it happening? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And um, that, I mean, I just think that's I think that's awesome because I think that's a a bit of a departure from like say the old style of. Um, Japanese influence, which was directly affected by the U.S., it feels like they've sort of taken Japan. There's like this Japanese movement where they've taken their own form of snowboarding, their soulful side of snowboarding, and and it's sort of you know it's got its own life over there. Yeah, actually, you're right. I just remember about the, um, I was I heard about the, their uh, 
some people they start actually making a snowball their own. Basically, you know, basically they're getting a blank snowball. Yeah. And uh, they do cut them uh, the unique shape of their choice. So it's almost like they're shaping a, a surfboard. Yeah. And uh, so you know, that group of also the group of people. Uh, they are making a um, handmade snowboard as well. So, yeah, yeah, some some uniqueness, you know, some unique movement is happening in Japan. Yeah, and definitely, and more of a, you know, I, I would look at it as more of a lifer movement. You know, I think back in like the '90s and you know early 2000s, like it was so new that it was this thing that people did and it was fun. But now you've come through a generation or two or maybe even three and there are people who are sticking with it through their throughout their entire life, just like here in the US. And those lifers are finding new ways to explore mountains, to, you know, engage with snowboarding. But you definitely you're definitely seeing edits, you know, come out of Japan that are different than you used to see. And I think that's cool. Yep. Pretty awesome. Um, Dave, I think that's, that's a pretty good, uh, wrap up. Is there anything else that we can touch on? Well, just, uh, I wish that, uh, we're going to have a great snow everywhere in us and, uh, us, Japan, Europe. Right. The upcoming season. I'm we, just, we need a good, know. we, you're right. We need a good winter this year. Yeah, totally. Well, let's, uh, let's end it on that. Let's have a great winter. Yep. <laughs> and let's get some <laughs> snowboarding in together. That's right. All right, David. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Dave. Let's pack those board bags and head for Hokkaido. Well, maybe not right now. Maybe in a few months. It might be a little warm there. But the food is delicious. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>